listening to the Jewel City Podcast. You can join us in person Sundays at 10 a.m. or 6 p.m. We have something for all people and all ages. Or join our live stream at 10 a.m. In this podcast, we're going to hear a message from our congressional care pastor, Aaron Caton. We're going to talk about, are you commissioned? So I passed out a flyer. Did everybody get one? If not, if you didn't get one, I'd love to get one in your hand. Miss Cindy would love to get one in your hand. Miss Mary. So last Sunday night, I, I ministered a little bit and talked about sharing the, the love of Jesus and the importance of it. And then on the way home, I said, I feel like uh, I should talk about the Romans road to heaven a little bit. And uh, Cindy said, well, what's that? Then I asked a few other people and they didn't quite know either what it was. Um, so I, I think it's a little bit of, of a good teaching that we need. So um, you are commissioned is a title. I'd like to tell you a little bit about my week because when we're commissioned, as I hope that we all realize that we are commissioned, and, and at the end of this, I, I pray that you've learned. Um, my week, I went to Morgantown to do a hospital visit and uh, family full of faith, man, and, and I got a brother that, that's uh, in bad critical shape and, and we have prayer, but uh, you know, it's, it's all our job being commissioned is about bringing people to Christ, but also it's about bringing people to the church so that they can meet Christ. If we can't lead them to the Lord, we at least could, can lead them to a church building, hopefully, to where their heart will be softened and they, they come in love with Christ, right? So I'm there and I'm with this family and they're a strong family of faith. And, and, and the, the oldest brother, he's not from this area. He says, uh, how far is your church from Lumberport? And I said, I said, about 10 to 15 minutes, and he looks over at his sister, and I can't remember what her name was, and he goes, right, there's your church. I mean, look at this guy. He comes all the way down here to Morgantown, and, and he, he, he's, you can tell he's a man of God by character, by the way he walks, and, and she goes, oh, I don't know. I get my grandson's, and he says, look, she's already making excuses. I said, well, how old's this grandson? Three years old. I said, man, we got a kid's cove and a kid's ministry. It has went from 100 to 120. We've already built two classrooms. It's going to go to 150. Who knows? I said, if they can deal with 100 kids, I'm sure your three-year-old grandson will have no problem in there. And he goes, what about your other one, the 15-year-old uh, Owen? And I said, well, I said, you got to come this Sunday because the youth leader's going to be speaking. Oh, he's in a band. I don't know. I said, man, what better time to come because our youth band and worship team is going to lead the service. So he'll be able to come, bring your friends because he's got two friends, right? So bring your friends and they'll, they'll see what the youth does, you know, and I'm just, I'm just inviting somebody to church. That's all that I'm doing, right? I mean, Jesus gave us the bread of life to take and to, and to sow it, so that's what we do. I leave there and get a phone call uh, about a young man that, that is an addict, and, and I go and, and I sit down with this young man, and, and I'm able to minister to him. I'm able to minister to him because I was an addict, I was an alcoholic. I struggled with things in life, and I know where he's at, but I, I don't go into a house and sit down on a couch and judge him and tell him what he's doing wrong. I go into a house and I say, man, you have so much value that God's able to change your whole life and use you for his kingdom. 
to minister to people that's in your shoes. One day you'll be dry, sober, and God will use you. I listened to Manning Clark this morning. He came in here and uh, I met one of his friends Thursday or Friday at the, at the bus, one of his supervisors from Kroger's. He said, man, I heard you met Jamie. We'll call him Jamie, I don't remember. But I heard you met Jamie. See, this, this is a young man that goes to our church that's at Recharge right now and he's loving on his supervisor and he knows that he can't get him in the church door at the moment, but he's getting him in the Buzz Henderson Center. Take your whole family, and they were all there, his wife and two kids, and they came, they, they live in Grafton. So he's sewing, and he goes from that statement to, Aaron, I got a guy that, that works with me that he's uh, really depressed and he's got problems. I said, why don't you just ask for his phone number and we'll turn it over to Pastor Rita and see if she can't connect with him. But this is a young man in our church who's, who's loving on people. See, we're, we're, we're commissioned. You hear what I'm saying? There's a theme tonight. We're commissioned to bring people to the church so that God can do a cleaning up. Just like me. Whenever I got up, I still had issues, and he still continued to clean and, and wash me free, right? So then I heard a story Trevor's got some friends that go to a different church, and, and on Saturdays, uh, one Saturday a month, they go around, and uh, they were at Meadowbrook Mall yesterday and, and inviting people to come to church with them. And, and one young man ripped his pants, and, and he didn't know that until he felt the breeze, and, and he, was in a, he, was, he was looking in the mirror, and he goes, oh my gosh. So they go to American Eagle to buy a pair of pants, so while the, and they went as a friend group, right? So there's four or five of them. They go in there, and, and while that while the young man that ripped his pants is buying a pair of jeans, the other young man is leading somebody to Jesus. How awesome is that, huh? Huh? Let's give God a hand clap of praise, huh? All because he ripped his pants. See, God uses circumstances. Because he knows where a particular person is at that very moment. If he wouldn't have ripped his pants, they would have never went to American Eagle, and the person would have never got saved. It's all in being obedient. Hannah said, here I am. Speak to me and send me, is what she said this morning. You are commissioned. So let's look, uh, let, let's stand for the reading of God's word tonight. Luke chapter 10, verse 2. Therefore said he unto them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come today, Lord God, worshiping you, praising you for you're the God of all creation. God, we love you. God, we need you. And Father, tonight we come together praying for, for laborers, Lord God, praying that you would strengthen us tonight through your word, through the gospel that you have ministered unto us tonight, that we would hear it, that we would receive it, that we would gather boldness and say, I've been commissioned to go. And Lord, that we would leave here knowing that you're going to walk with us and guide us and direct us to go forth and send us. And I ask your blessing over the people in the name of Jesus and amen. Amen, you may be seated. So Luke 9, verse 1, 2, and 10. Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. 
Do you hear what he did? He gave them power. He gave them authority over all devils to cure diseases, to send them out, to preach the gospel, to heal the sick. And the apostles, when they returned, they told him of all the great things that took place. I can only imagine the stories that they could share, what they gathered. But then it tells me that he took them away. He took them aside privately into a, into a desert place belonging. Listen, just because God uses you, and it's a great illustration, as Pastor Kerry talked about, going back to the well. See, we, we've labored and we tarried, and ministry will tire you. Ministry will tire you, I taught it last week. It will tire you, so you go back to the well so you can get that refreshing. And that's what he's teaching the 12 right there. Hey, we gotta get away. Now, I've used you for a moment, but now it's time to get down on our knees and, and thank God, we gotta humble ourselves back to the Lord and say, thank you for using me. Who am I that you would use me? Thank you for giving me the opportunity that, that this brother ripped his pants and I was able to go into this store and lead somebody to the Lord. We gotta come back. He's teaching the 12 that we got to go back and, and humble ourselves and thank God for the opportunity to be used. But Jesus is excited. These 12 men, these 12 disciples have come back and told him the great news of everything that's happened. So we go to Luke, Luke 10, 1 through 3. After these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also and sent them to and two before his face into every city and place whither he himself would come. Man, he got so excited. He got so happy about everything that took place. He said, man, I, I'm going to recruit more. So that's what he did. He started saying, hey, you're coming with me. Hey, you're coming with me. And tonight I hope that you gather yourself and say, oh, the Lord is calling me to be one of these 70, to be one of the 150 that's here, whatever the number is, that the Lord is calling me. Why? Therefore said he unto them, the harvest truly is great. But the laborers are few. Pray you therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. The Father wants to send us. Jesus is speaking this. And as Carrie said, the Father speaks, the Son speaks. We're his children. Go your ways. Behold, I send you forth as lambs among the wolves. Matthew 10 and 16 says, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be you therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. So in Luke 8, Jesus has went in, in every city and every village and he's preaching and he's bringing glad tidings in the kingdom of God. And you know who's with him in all this time? The 12 disciples. Tonight, I hope that you'll understand. I hope that you learn tonight and gather the glad tidings of the kingdom of God and take it with you tonight. Do you know, do you know that you're a disciple of Christ? Do you know that? Do you know that you are an ambassador for the kingdom of God? Do you know that? Maybe you're saying, man, I didn't sign up for this. But when we start letting Jesus change our hearts, we start becoming that ambassador. Proverbs 13 and 17 says, a wicked messenger falls into trouble. Stay away from wickedness. Stay away from foolish things. Stay away from the dark side. But a faithful ambassador brings health. A faithful ambassador brings health. Why? Those 12 went out and they ministered and they brought health. They were empowered to do so, but they talked about the love of Christ. And whenever God changes us, we become that ambassador where we can share the love of Jesus with everybody that we come in contact with. A faithful ambassador brings health. Second Corinthians 5 and 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. So you've got two scriptures, old and new, that tells you 
that you're an ambassador for Christ. As though God were pleading through us. What is God doing through us? He's pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. What does the word implore mean? It means to beg someone, earnestly beg someone. This, this might be the last time that you walk out these doors. I'm begging you to surrender your heart and your mind and your life to Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying. He, he's saying that, that I'm pleading for God. That's what he wants us to do. He says that, that you're ambassadors. Take it forth. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Don't be ashamed of Jesus. Take it out so that they can be reconciled to God's love. We're to act as representatives. We're to be the ambassadors on Christ's behalf for the Father. Jesus preached and taught the 12, and they were very present everywhere that he went, everywhere that he went, and he, and he taught repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. He said, watch, listen, learn how it's done. One of my mentors said the same thing to me. He said, watch what I do. Learn what I do and do it, but keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't keep it on man. Man will fail you. I will fail you. I will let you down. But Jesus will never let you down. The word is true. The word is life. And it always will be. It's from the beginning to the end. It's, it, it, we serve, everybody says it's the last days. It's the last days. Guess what? You serve the God who created the last days. So we're, we're able to continue to preach the gospel in the last days because God is with us. He sent the 12 out, gave them power and authority over devils, over diseases, over sickness, and he gave them the word to preach. But you can only preach what you know. You can only talk about what you know. I can't talk about coal mining with Lanny because I don't know anything about it. I can't talk construction with Dave because I don't know anything about it. I can't talk uh, deliveries uh, from Star Furniture with Bruce because I know nothing about it. I can't talk computers with Mike because I know nothing about it. I can't talk repair shop with Rick because I know nothing about it. I don't know everything about Jesus either. But I know that he set me free. I know that he saved me. And I know that now he lives inside of me. I know that he made sin. I know that he was made sin for us. That he knew no sin, but he became that sin. He was sinless. He became sin so that we might, which is a choice. We have a choice to become the righteousness of God in Christ. It's a choice. Do we want to walk in that character? Do we want to walk in that integrity? Do we want to walk away from darkness and be the light of the world? Or do we want to take the choice and keep walking back into darkness? I know that Jesus died for us. So we who believe in him, if we confess our sins and ask Jesus into our hearts, I know that we are saved, amen? 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. So we're a new form of life. Sins are forgiven. You, you've heard Pastor Robert say, there's people trying to remind me all the time of who I used to be. We're not that person anymore. We're, we're a new creation in Christ Jesus. We're forgiven of all of our past. If you hold on to it, you need to continue to try to give it to God. If you struggle with that for some reason, as Pastor Kerry said tonight, we gotta bring it to the well. We gotta lay it down. We gotta surrender those issues. Because God wants us to walk in freedom. He wants us to walk in peace. He wants us to walk in truth just the way that he made us. We become new 
with God. We were so separated, we were not new. We were on a path to death. But because of the shed blood of Jesus, we're whole with him. Amen? Romans 8 and 17 says, And if children, the heirs, heirs of God, and join heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may also glorified together. We're children of God. We're heirs. We're joint heirs. And the, Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father. He's principality. He's the prince over all principalities and powers of darkness. He's over the adversary of the devil. One day he's going to split the sky wide open. He's going to put him down into the lake of fire, never to be seen. Those that are saved are going to be called up. We're joint heirs with Christ Jesus. Amen. We're seated in heavenly places to do God's work. The life we now live, if we choose, it's a new life. It's a new nature. We get rid of our selfish ambitions. We get rid of the selfishness of who we used to be. And we surrender our life to God that the pathway gets open because he wants to do things through us because of here I am. We do what Jesus Christ did. We make sacrifices for the kingdom of God. It's no longer about myself. It's no longer about ourselves. Jesus is talking in Matthew 25, uh, verse 34 through 36. Then shall the king say unto them, on his right hand, come. Ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared from you from the foundations of the world. Your inheritance is there. He's ready to bless you with the kingdom that he formed from the foundation of the world just for you and I, those that are saved. He says, for I was hungered and you gave me meat. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. Naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came unto me. When you're doing this for a brother or sister or child that's down and out, you're doing this unto the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what this word is saying. From the beginning, the old nature dies. You start becoming a new creation. You start becoming this person who goes, man, that felt really good. And all I did, I, I, gave them, I gave them a bottle of water and, so, and a snack bag. I didn't have money to give them, but that's what I gave them because that's what the Lord told me to put in my vehicle. God starts changing us, renewing our minds. Jesus saying, when saved, your love actions represent him, represent all of Christ. I hope that you're understanding who you are tonight in Christ that you're the righteousness of God. He took the 12 with him everywhere. He sent them out, they returned, sharing the good news. He sent the, the 70 out, they returned, sharing the good news. But it wasn't enough. He still needs laborers. He, he still wants. He says, he appointed the 70, he sent them out. Jesus said, the harvest is truly great, but the laborers, the workers are few. Jesus then said, pray to the Lord of the harvest that there would be more workers for the harvest. Jesus still needs workers because the harvest is even greater today. As many of us don't feel qualified, or we don't know what to say, or maybe we're not even comfortable trying to be a laborer for Jesus, I want you to know that and remember that Jesus loves you, that Jesus died for you, that Jesus conquered hell, death, and the grave. That means that he freed us from sin, that Jesus rose for you, that Jesus lives for you. And if Jesus comes in our hearts, then we're changed. He made us that new creation. He made us that righteousness of God. He made us that ambassador. Jesus then says, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Is he sending you out to be eaten alive? No. 
but he's saying you're going to face opposition. You live in a country that's free. I, we have a missionary that came from India. He talked about, he talked about his, his men that he was mentoring, and one of them and his wife were praying at an altar one day, and this, this man from, from another religion walked in and slit their throats right there at the altar. We live in a country that's free, where we can labor for God in freedom. You're going to face opposition, but it's not going to be anything of that nature. Not at this present time. We're going to face opposition but that's not what he's, he's saying, I give you power. He's saying, Jesus said, be wise as servants and harmless as doves. Be wise as servants. When you think about that, they don't expose themselves. You usually walk up on a snake before you see it. Be wise in your approach and do it in a manner of love and be as peaceful as a dove. Jesus in John 3, he's talking to a man that's a Pharisee, his name is Nicodemus. So let's watch Jesus approach people. Let's watch Jesus lead people to the Lord. In Nicodemus, verse two and three, Nicodemus came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus says, how can one be born again? I can't enter my mother's womb a second time. And Jesus tells Nicodemus, without the new birth, there's no relationship to God. You gotta remember, Nicodemus is a Pharisee. He's a keeper of the law. And Jesus is trying to get him to understand that there's a new way, that there's a new order. Jesus tells him, I am the son of man come from heaven. My father in heaven has sent me, and whosoever believes in me will not perish, but have everlasting life. And Nicodemus is still not comprehending what he says. So, so Jesus goes, as Moses was in the wilderness, and a serpent lifted up, so must the Son of Man be lifted up and believed upon. And Jesus continues to say, I'm not here to condemn anyone, but I'm here that everyone that believes in me as the Messiah, the Son of God, that everyone will be saved. Do you see what he's doing? Do you hear how he's teaching, how he's making the approach? Jesus took such wisdom and love that he referenced Moses and the serpent. And maybe you don't know that story, but it's in the Old Testament, right? So the children of Israel have rebelled and, and they're dying. There's snakes are all around them and the snakes are biting them. And, and he, Moses was commanded to make this bronze statue of a snake. And those that looked upon it were saved. He used that approach to get him to understand, I have to be lifted up. I'm going to be the sacrifice. I have to be lifted up, and those who believe in me will be saved. He took it to a level that Nicodemus would understand it. John 4, the Samaritan woman, Jesus said to her, give me a drink. And the woman says, you're a Jew. We don't deal with each other. We don't interact with each other. We definitely don't share eating and drinking vessels. In verse 10, Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Jesus is breaking the mold. He's breaking the, the religious tradition. The love of Christ is meant for everybody. You might walk into a room filled with people that you're not used to, just as Jesus he walked into a room with a Samaritan woman that Jews don't deal with, but he loved on her. The Samaritan woman has questions. Jesus has questions in return. 
Because of Jesus' honesty and the Samaritan woman's honesty and truth, there was a love encounter. There was a connection so deep that all of her hurt and all of her shame, she came to Christ Jesus and believed on him. And then evangelized her love for Christ. The whole town came to meet Jesus and got saved. It's a love encounter. Let's look at one of the disciples. But he wasn't a disciple yet. Andrew was just a normal guy, normal guy that followed John the Baptist. He met Jesus and believed he was the, he was the Christ. John 1, 40 and 42, one of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother, Simon, and saith unto him, we found the Messiah, which can be interpreted the Christ. Verse 42, and he brought him to Jesus, and when Jesus beheld him, he said, thou art Simon, the son of Jonah, thou shalt be called Cephas, which is interpreted a stone. Andrew was at a church service, and it was a great church service, and then they had baptism follow him, and Jesus shows up, and he gets baptized, heaven opens up, a dove descends down, and a voice echoed out, this is my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. And he goes running back. The first person that he went running to was his brother. He valued his brother's life more than anything else in the world. What about your family members? A lot of us have a hard time talking to our family members. Andrew's showing us. I, I got to go tell my brother that it's the Christ. And, and whenever he did, just as we learned this morning about Saul becoming Paul, Peter becomes the rock on which the church is built. He becomes a, a foundation for Christ. Why? Andrew didn't lead him to the Lord in the manner of salvation, but he led him to the Lord in the church. Come, come follow me. I hope that we're gathering everything tonight. So this is uh, from Billy Graham Evangelist. And, and we went through a training, and, and that's what I'm hoping tonight that you're learning through this training, that God wants us to be Christ-like, as he took those two approaches with Nicodemus and the Samaritan, as Andrew approached, approached Peter. So here in this book, they, they talk about Philip. And, and in here it says, every Christian is re responsible for living a life that glorifies God and points others to him. But how can believers do that? Where do they start? What is involved in being used by God? And perhaps the best answer is found in the life of Philip, who introduced an Ethiopian official to Jesus Christ in Acts chapter 8. And I want you to read that this week. It says, first, Philip's life witnessed to Christ. He was chosen as a worker in the early church because of his character in Acts 6. So he, he, his character that it's out there for the world to see. In Acts 6, 3 through 5, it says, Wherefore, brethren, look ye, among you seven men of honest report. So God's looking for men and women of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, and you may appoint others this business. But we'll give ourselves, continue the prayer, into the ministry of the word. Man, we gotta continue in prayer, and we gotta continue to minister word to ourselves. And and the same pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, and a man full of faith, and the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and the other brothers. So his, his character and his witness has stood out to where he's being called. It says, second, the Holy Spirit was, was vitally involved in Philip's life and ministry. 
And that's where we come into contact with God by reading the scripture, by, by getting it inside of us. The Holy, Ghost, the Holy Ghost will continue to grow us in mature sons and daughters of Christ. Then the Spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this man's chariot. And the Holy Spirit, the teacher and our God and the one who makes our lives attractive through, through the love, through the fruit of the spirits, gives us the boldness and courage to witness. Our responsibility is to be yielded to all the wonderful resources he gives, that God gives. The man ripped his pants, the resources was in American Eagle, and the person got saved. When Philip was led to the Ethiopian official, the man had already been prepared by the Holy Spirit. Did you hear that? The man had already been prepared by the Holy Spirit. Third, notice the importance that scripture itself says that the official was in the middle of reading Isaiah 53 and asked Philip to explain the passage. And Philip explained the passage of Jesus Christ crucified and told him the good news of Jesus. Fourth, there's another factor in the story, God's sovereignty. God saw it, that the official had a copy of Isaiah 53 and that Philip was there at just the right time to explain the message. Not only does God work out details like these, he enables ordinary people to do extraordinary things for the kingdom of God. Our responsibility is to place our faith in God and to trust him to use us. The Bible from cover to cover, and Hannah used a lot of it this morning, is a record of God working mightily in and through the lives of regular people like Philip, like you and I. We continue, Jesus Christ has to be the center of our lives. He provides the direction, he provides the wisdom, the strength, the peace, and the joy. And we faithfully meet him in the Bible study, and we, we faithfully meet him in prayer. He rearranges our priorities, and he helps us live a balanced life. For many believers, sharing the gospel of Jesus can be rather intimidating experience. According to the studies, only 1% of believers claim to have the gift of evangelism. Where does that leave the 99% who do not have that gift? Some think that because they don't have the gift, they're relieved of the responsibility of sharing Christ with others. And every believer's mission in life should actively be sharing the gospel. Jesus gave us his personal mission statement in Luke 19 and 10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. Jesus is asking each of us to join him in rescuing the lost and the spiritually dying people that we know. It says, pray for open doors so that we can share the message of Christ. Lord, open a door. A door is a natural opportunity to bring up your relationship with Christ. Often that will be something going on in your own life or their life or what's going on in the world. He says, pray, Lord, open their heart. Ask God to prepare their heart so they can understand what he has asked you to share with them. And then he says, pray that the Lord would open your mouth. Trust God to give you the courage and the words and your approach. Third, I gave you a sheet of paper. And it says, listen, how to share the message. It says, listen to his or her story and understand the need. 
It says, identify the difference Jesus can make in their lives. You gotta listen to what they're saying. You gotta identify their problem. And you gotta share your story. That young man that I met that was an addict, I was able to listen to his story. I was able to identify with him, and that's God. God's gonna put you in places that you can identify with people. And then you gotta share your story with them. And take your friend to the cross. Explain how Jesus died and how he rose again in his empty tomb and encourage them to come to meet Christ Jesus. Nurture your friend in that new relationship. 1 John 1 and 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from, un- from all unrighteousness. If we flip it over, it's Romans Road. Listen, this is just an outline to help you to understand how to talk to someone. I don't always say, hey, in Romans 3 and 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But if we walk through this, it's easy to say, man, the Bible tells me that there's none that's righteous but Jesus. It tells me that we've all messed up, that we've all sinned, and that we all fall short of his glory. But while we were in that sin, it tells me that God loved us so much that, that he died for us. And it continues to tell me that, that the wages of sin is death. That means if we continue to walk this world as a sinner, we don't have eternal life. But it tells me that the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus if we just believe. It continues to tell me that if I would confess with my mouth my sins and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ who died and rose and asked him to come into my heart, that I would be saved. And it tells me that because in in Romans 10 and 13 it says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So we all have friends and family. And I pray that you'll look at this. I pray that you'll hold on to this. Put it in your Bible. Put it somewhere that you can look at it so you can say, I've traveled to Romans Road. You've been commissioned so that you have help to be able to speak the gospel to everybody that you come in contact with. Tonight, I've asked Rocky, teacher, to come down and share a little bit. You know, Pastor always talks about this man has has led more people to the Lord. I've asked Rocky to come down and just tell us a little bit about how he does it. He's just an ordinary man, just like us, that leads people to the Lord. It's all about boldness and confidence. And that's, that's what he said more than anything. It's all about boldness is what he said the other day to me. Well, I want to give the Lord all the praise for what he's allowed me to do in his name. Uh, the pastor was talking about, you know, being intimidated or getting to everyone. I, uh, in 2004, I got to lead my, my father to the Lord. And, uh, I tried to about three years prior to that, and he didn't want nothing to do with it. But... Uh, about two or three years later, he ended up going to Ruby, and I remember calling Rusty and telling Rusty, I said, pray for me that I might have the words and that the Holy Spirit would open up where I could witness to him, and he accepted the Lord. But since then, I've kept a record, and that was in 2004, of those that I've talked to and those that have prayed and accepted Christ. I, uh, I've been asked to speak in April 
at a Gideon's pastor's banquet about what has went on in my life about this, but there's 35, over 35 people that have not accepted Christ when I spoke to them. Uh, I always give them a Bible and uh, I'll tell them, I pray for, I'll pray for you till the day I die, unless I know they die. But it's been a, uh, I guess my daily prayer, I know when George and Rusty and I used to, they were at six o'clock in the morning, we used to pray. And, and one of our prayers there was that we would be bold in our witness and that we would, God would put someone in front of us that we might witness to. I think the biggest thing is, and my witness is, I don't want to see no one go to hell. Amen. And if you think about it, if you have any, anyone in your family um, that doesn't know the Lord, would you want them to be in hell and you in heaven? No, we wouldn't. And we got the greatest healing that there is. We, our family may die of cancer, but if they know the Lord, they got the greatest healing. They're already in heaven. Amen. I know uh, my sister, she was sick, dying about, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago. And uh, I told my wife, I said, I, I need to go talk to her. Well, you know, we spent some time together, just her and I. And when I got ready to leave, I asked her if she knew the Lord, and she said yes. And you know, it, it's sometimes you just have a feeling you don't really know. But when my sister was on her deathbed in the hospital, three ladies came to visit her, and uh, I know my sister was going to a Bible study, and I, I asked them, I said, are you the ladies that my sister went to the Bible study with? And one lady said yes, and she was baptized in my pool. I said, well, praise the Lord. But it's, uh, I don't witness or as much as I used to. Sometimes it, nowadays I don't even get out of the house all week. But since I've hurt my arm, I'm able to get out at least twice a week. But I used to uh, drive for the VA, and I made it a point that everyone got to hear about the Lord. Um, Picking up hitchhikers. I've, I've picked up hitchhikers that uh, had, they ended up crying and, and accepting Christ. I've made trips to uh, Augusta, Georgia twice uh, to lead friends to the Lord. But it, it, I gave God all the praise and I, I thank him that uh, I'm able to talk to to them about the Lord where they can accept Christ. About 12 or 15 years ago, my dad was in ICU and I'm spending some time with him and the Lord laid on my heart to uh, create a website. I know nothing about creating a website, but I now have a website. Um, it's freesalvationfromgod.com and last week, there were three hits on it. One, two of them were for China, and one was from Poland. And I pray that those people, they, if they read through the whole thing, they have an opportunity to accept the Lord. 
Now he says that he picks up he picks up hitchhikers, but he says that when he drives by them, the spirit of the Lord speaks to him, and he's driven by them to where the Lord keeps unctioning into his spirit man, to where he has to turn around because he starts getting convicted. Is that true? Yeah, I had one. I don't know. It was about a year ago. I mean, I'm having to head home. My wife's sick and everything, and the Holy Spirit said. Turn around and go back. I said, uh, this is coming over Manly Temple Road. If anybody knows that road, it's really tight. So I turned around down there at the cow. They have all the cows. and went back, and this boy's walking. His name was Dana Odell. Some of you all may know him. And uh, he'd done walk 10 miles. And I ended up picking him up. And before I got him out to pass them all there, I, he was praying to accept the Lord. Uh, one... That I was telling the pastor about the other day. If you leave white cottons and come to my house, it's one mile. I uh, picked this guy up. He went a half a mile. He's the name, uh, his last name was Newborough. I can't remember right now. But The Lord said, why didn't you say anything to him? And he beat me up all night. I said, you give me another chance and I will. So the next day, he's down there hitchhiking. I haven't seen him hitchhiking since, but I... Uh, led him to be prayed and accepted Christ in that time. Amen. Rocky, will you pray for us, all of us, for boldness, please? Dear Father, we uh, thank you again that uh, we know that you're the great healer and the great yeah. physician, but you've given us an opportunity to tell others about you. Yes, Lord God. We just ask you, to, Lord, to give us boldness each and every day that whoever we come in contact, that the unction of the Holy Spirit would say, hey, you need to say something. Yeah. And then we follow that unction. We ask you now to be with those that uh, don't know you, and we pray, dear Father, that uh, you would lead them at, uh, to us, and we'll give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give God a hand clap of praise. Thank you, Rocky. So tonight was more, I mean, it started out a little preaching, but it went straight into teaching. So I pray that you will apply this and that you'll say, you know what? I can do this. You got family members that are lost? You got to talk to them. You may be the only one that they ever listen to. And your life, if you live it out, they may see the change in you. You might not lead them to the Lord, but if you're truly saved and changed, they're going to say, man, you have changed. I've heard it from my own family members. I haven't been able to lead him to the Lord, but I've, he's seen the change because of Christ in me. And that's where we gotta be. Our workers, our co-workers, they gotta see the Christ in us. When we pick somebody up on the road, they gotta hear the Christ in us. God gives us that opportunity. It's not just about leading somebody to the Lord, but it's inviting people to church and having the boldness to say, hey, will not you come to church with me? It's not anything difficult. There, there was a young lady, uh, a clerk at, at W at Ruby, and I went to visit somebody again this week, and, and I told her I was a pastor because if you throw the, the pastor card there, they can't deny you. you. You're able to go. So, And she said, oh, my dad's a pastor. I said, that's great. How's your relationship? I'm agnostic. I said, you got to go to church. She opened the door. I said, you have to go to church. Oh, I'm busy. Sundays, you know, it's my only day off. I got kids. I said, where do you live? I live in Morgantown. I said, 
There's Chestnut Ridge. Uh, there's, a, there's a church, the, the Kingdom Church in Westover. There's one up by, by Gabe's. I, I named three churches that I know of that people have gone to and they tell me that it's, that it's good. She opened the door. I had to speak. If I would have kept my mouth shut, I would have got taken a whipping, just like Rocky talked about. She believes in a supreme being. She doesn't believe in God. That's what she's telling me. And then when I told her she's got to go to church and get alive in her spirit, she said, I'm a Christian. She got to examine that heart. I'm not her judge, but I'm just saying, we got to take the move, people, and be a laborer. I pray tonight's helped you. Stand to your feet if you would. Is there anybody here that's never asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life? Is there anybody that'll say, Pastor, I heard you tonight, and I need Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. Is there anyone? Is there anyone? Thank you for listening to the Jewel City Podcast. You can join us in person Sundays at 10 a.m. or 6 p.m. We have something for all people and all ages. Or join our live stream at 10 a.m. 